Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our conversation here with Dr. Chris Amden. And I'm, I'm, I can't get over this. I'm smiling because I'm filled with joy right now. And professor and author Yolanda Celia Ruiz, um, where our focus will be on education. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a passion of mine and certainly, certainly a passion of theirs. Um, before the program starts, we're going to have Chrissy kind of share a bit about our community agreements and some housekeeping um, ideas. And then after that, I want to properly, so to speak, share a story about how I met Chris Amden and Yolanda Sula Ruiz. All right, Chrissy. Hi, good evening, everyone. We're so thrilled to have you here tonight. And I was just watching people come into the waiting room and our numbers are amazing for so many people are, are just so excited about this conversation. And I know I am as well. So just before we begin, we want to go through our community agreements so that everyone understands uh, just what we expect of our groups when we come together like this and creating a space for everyone to uh, be a part of. So we would always encourage you to speak from your own experience, focus on the personal and not on others. W-A-I-T or wait, why am I talking or why am I not talking? What is said here stays here and what is learned here leaves here. Seek growth rather than closure acknowledge ouch and oops moments, experience discomfort, be curious before you are critical, and finally be explicit with your thoughts and not your language. And then Trey, do you want to go into our favorite community uh, agreement here? Absolutely. This is this is a cornerstone of my, you know, my being really. And, you know, I grew up in South Africa. So this concept of Ubuntu is very, very important to me. And it reads that we are made to live in a delicate network of interdependence with one another. A person is a person through other persons. A solitary human being is a contradiction in terms. A totally self-sufficient human being is ultimately subhuman. We are made for complementarity. I have gifts that you do not, and you have gifts that I do not. So we need each other to be fully human. Desmond Tutti, and I couldn't agree more because I know that I need both these presenters today in order to be the educator that I am and I, that I'm thriving to be. And so without further ado, if I may please um, introduce to you both Dr. Yolanda Sulu Ruiz, Mr. Christopher Amden, as well as Dr. Chris Amden. Both of these um, educators I met through Instagram. If I may just tell you all the story real quick. I saw Chris Amden and Yolanda Ruiz having a conversation on Instagram and they were so raw, so authentic and the conversation moved to a place of deep emotion. And I wondered if they were aware of the fact that they were on IG Live because that's how powerfully moving it was and intimate it was. You know, they recognized each, other, each other's soul and I took a chance, I took a risk and I reached out first to Chris Amden and then I reached out to Yolanda Sulu-Ruiz and I remember thinking to myself, there's no way they're gonna reach back out. And I was wrong. They did reach out to me with the same care and with the same love. And from that day on, I have forever been adopted and been in their graces. So folks, without further ado, please welcome Chris Amden and Yolanda Sulu-Ruiz. Welcome folks. Um, I'm gonna say thank you. I want to start off by saying thank you to uh, the sponsors for this evening. And Trey, uh, you are beautiful. And um, we love Fairfield Ubuntu and what you're about. 
what you seek to do in that community. And I'm grateful that you saw Brother Chris and I. Uh, one thing I will just say very publicly, uh, Chris is an inspiration uh, to me and for me. I am grateful that he is at Teachers College. I'm grateful that he is in my life. I'm grateful that he does the work that he does and the way that he does. He gives so much of himself and he's been doing this, uh, you know, before people were looking. Uh, he's been doing this for quite some time and doing things, I think, in my institution and holding things up that I was not aware of. And when I began to step into certain things, it made me realize how much he was carrying. And so in that, uh, I say publicly that I love him and I love his family. And I, I'm grateful that you noticed what you did um, between us. So thank you for bringing us together. Oh man, so just like you, whenever you speak, you, um, you humble me. And I, I want you to know that that feeling is reciprocated. Um, and, I, and I send all that love back to you a hundredfold. Um, you, you are a gift, you are light, you are magic. And I remember the conversation that we had that Trey mentioned, I, for some reason did not save it or record it. However, the, the responses I've gotten from that conversation from people over and over again requesting it. And I knew then that sometimes it's not meant to be recorded because the magic is in that moment. And part of that magic is our connection to Trey. And, and I wanna say this, cause it's really important to say, I don't respond to every DM. I don't respond to every message. I don't respond to every email. However, the way I operate in the world is always to be so tapped into the divine, to be tapped into an energy that's beyond me that what I'm supposed to respond to, I always do. And so to Trey, I wanna say, there's something about who you are, how you operate, and the magic you bring to the world that allowed me to say, this is worth responding to. This man is operating from a place of some truth and authenticity. So as we share love to each other, I wanna extend that to you. There's something that you offer to the planet that creates some synergy and some energy in the world that made me respond, that made us want to do this moment. Right. Um, and I want you to own that and carry that as you move forward. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank you. And, and, and with that, I wanna, oh man, <clears throat> thank you so much. I would love to invite um, Sandra to certainly field some questions to, to, to you guys. Um, but before she does that, you know, Chris, if you may just kind of share with the people what it is that you do, what, what is the work that you're doing, right? Because it's so important to the movement of education and certainly liberation. My, my work, like Sister Yolanda Celia Ruiz's work, uh, like my sister, is to uncover the structures of traditional schooling that have harmed our young people and have created this sort of like normalizing of, the, of oppressive practices through an institution that's supposed to be the salvation, that's supposed to be the path to freedom. I want to highlight the hypocrisy yes. and the notion that education is a path towards emancipation in a system that is founded on ensuring that certain members of our population are not fully actualized. Right. I wanna give truth and voice to the gaslighting that's a part and parcel of the system of education. But most importantly, I wanna do that while holding on to high academic expectations, mm -hmm. high academic rigor. I'm a scientist by training, I'm a STEM person, and I want folks to understand that you can have a focus 
on academic rigor around content concurrently with a focus on humanity. Yes. You can have a focus on having young folks be scientists and engineers, as well as uncovering the hypocrisy in our school system. My work is an extension of Sister Yolanda Salih-Ruiz's work. When she talks about the archeology span of the self and the archeology span of institutions and the deacon deep and understanding what is at the, at, the, at the underbelly of the systems, so that when we reveal them, we understand how we can move forward. Yes. Uh, that, that, that's what I do. So I am a reflection of what she does. I do so in science, through hip hop, through culture, through truth telling, uh, but, but at the core of it, I am a teacher. Uh, and that's what I want to be known as, a teacher. <laughs> real talk, real talk, real talk. And Yolanda, what, what is it? Can you explain to the people what is it that you do? I just want to listen to Chris. Can we do that? <laughs> what do I do? I try to get people to get their hearts right. I try to get people to stop exacting violence on our children through curriculum, through uh, unconscious biases that they hold. I'm trying to get people to recognize that we all have to pass over. And so this is a very short and limited time. What are you doing with your time? Mm -hmm. How are you pushing forward uh, for full humanity? How are you looking at your life and the things that you might have been taught and trained and actually believed and benefited from? How are you sitting and doing nothing at all? Right. So, you know, everything that Chris is talking about, uh, ultimately, I think of Sister Keisha McIntosh Allen, uh, when I went to visit her in Baltimore, she had this button that says, uh, you know, be a good ancestor. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to get other people to recognize you're not going to be living forever. What you do with your life today and in the life of a child matters. So your silence will not protect you, as Sister Audrey Lord tells us. So you have to figure out if you've chosen education, number one, why have you chosen that field? Yes. And if you're not willing to do everything to turn upside down this system that's 400 years thick of inequality and dehumanization, then really what is your purpose? Mm -hmm. Do something else. Because to be a teacher, as Chris says, I am a teacher, that means something you have to be able to understand what it is that you're doing. So the work that I do, particularly recently through archeology span of self and racial literacy is moving people towards that understanding of doing a deep excavation, right? Of the biases, the uh, racist belief, I would even say the hate, we would never call it hate, but it manifests with such disdain. And sometimes the way we talk about children and the way that we talk about families and communities. And I'm also a poet. Well, and if she ain't a poet, if y'all ain't cop love from the vortex, seriously, um, it, it, it is it is prose, it is it's, it's gut wrenching truth, it is vulnerability, it is narrative, it is it is just like truth in written form, and like love from the vortex has taken me on such an amazing journey. And sis, just picking up on on what you said about time, mm. like yo. We are living on earth for such a small moment. And we have to understand that time is a social construct. Like this idea, like time is a social construct. School is a social construct, it's an idea, it's a concept. The only thing that's real is that we are in relationship with young people yes. to have the opportunity to bring forth in them the best version of themselves. All of it else is fabricated. 
School is not geography, it's location. The pandemic has taught us that. Ooh. There's school on Zoom. Ooh. There's school on TikTok. So when you understand that school is not a location, it's a, fig it's a figment of the collective imagination. When you understand that time is not this thing you have forever, but rather as a continuum that we're embedded in, you start approaching your life differently. Yes. And what, what I want to impose on the minds of the educators in this moment is that we are here on this planet for a small blip in the radar. And in that small moment, the decisions that you make have implications that will revert, like they'll revert forever. And if you betray your mission to have impact in this moment, you will be but cosmic dust and forgotten. Oh. But if you, in this small moment you have, hold on to it with gravitas, move to change the world, to impact change, to exist within that vortex, that, yeah. that, 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 that space you can't touch or feel, but that you know exists, to translate something powerful into the imagination of the public and into the lives of young people, then you become eternal. Oh my God. And we shall all pursue our work with the goal to be eternal. And to be eternal, to be good ancestors. And brother, let me say something. I wanted to talk about your Rajademic that's coming up uh, and certainly the space that you have been holding, what I consider a spiritual space, you and brother Tim and brother Ian and Brother Edmund for it's going to 11, 12 years now. But one thing I want to say publicly to you, and I don't know that I have done this, when we had that conversation that night, mm -hmm. you gave me a whole new understanding of love from the vortex. Because mm -hmm. I don't even know if you remember this. You said to me that when you read the book, you saw it as a story of unrequited love, of Black people sending their children into schools, i.e. the vortex, with the best expectations. That it was a love story. It was a love letter of Black people, brown people, expecting schools to do right, to actually fulfill their mission, to be spaces where children uh, engage in identity formation, where children, uh, you know, education, talking about going from darkness to light, that there is light there. And over and over again, Black children, brown children have been disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so you helped me to see the parallel to some of these relationships, these men that I've loved, to what we continue to do in education. We continue to have this sort of spirituality and belief that the humans in school are going to ultimately do right. Mm. And so what you're saying is it's time to fulfill that social contract. When you become a teacher and you sign on to this social contract, to be the best that you're supposed to be in the life of the child, you have to fulfill that. Mm -hmm. And as you said, Chris, even if you're not doing it, even if no one on earth is holding you accountable, ultimately we all have to answer for what we do in the body. Mm -hmm. So I just wanna thank you publicly for that because you, this is what you do to me. You allow me to see my work in a different way, in a spiritual way, in a new way. Here. Since it was there, like, here's the thing. I think sometimes when, when, you, when you operate from a place of truth, you don't even know what you're doing until you feel the effects of what you've done. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Of so course you, I do. When you put them words down on that paper, when, when the narrative that hit me that based on the work, it's what you put out there already in the universe that got manifested through the work. You know, and just on the, on the point you just made, one of my favorite quotes by Bob Marley, he said, the most cowardly thing a person can do is awaken the love of a partner 
without the intention to love them back. And you know that's and in that's the what And that's what schools have done. Schools have sold us the narrative that be educated, pursue this. It's a path towards possibility. It awakened in the imagination of black and brown folks that this is the thing that's gonna lead me to freedom. The system, the idea of school awakened our love, sent us to the institution of schools that never loved us back. And so what we as educators have to do is as, because now we've signed on to that body politic that is the institution of schools. Like once you sign up for the job, you are the appendage of the system, hmm. right? You can either follow it along or you can force it along to where it should go. So now you're in a, you're a part of a body that says, come here, awaken your love, but don't love you back. And so now you have a responsibility to push the system you are a part of to fulfill the promise of love. That's why education is about, it's about the reciprocity. It's about loving back young folks who love to learn. Yes. It's about loving back young folks who are curious in the world. I give you curiosity, what you giving me back? Memorization? Mm -mm. I came here with energy to, to, to pursue something bigger than me. And you tell me, take a test. I came here to have my world opened up. And you said, you know, what's the standard, right? I came here to question what the world is about. You gave me rubric. So I, I keep bringing to you something bigger than the universe. And you keep giving back to me this minuscule atom that can't, that, that cannot, it cannot, it cannot quench my thirst for knowledge. It's so basic. Yo, it's so basic. Yo, I was gonna, I was gonna ask y'all because y'all, y'all went right into what I was thinking about. I thought, bro, I, you know, yeah, look, when I'm good. in my sis, it, 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 I'll tell you this right listen, now. I'm ready to read. Can I, Trey? Before you say something, yeah. let me just read because the quote that Chris just shared, you know, this is what happens with us. It's right here in Love from the Vortex. Mm. The biggest coward of a man is to awaken the love of a woman without the intention of loving her. The biggest cowardice of our institutions is to claim that they love us and that they will educate us and not do it. Mm. That is pure cowardice. And what you just shared, Chris, in the words of my sister friend, Dr. Goldie Muhammad, this idea of standards, I'm so upset that the Biden administration, I'm not surprised, but upset that it started talking about standardized tests and getting those back on track yesterday. Standards are so basic. The work of Goldie Muhammad talks about in black literary societies, we didn't have standards, we had pursuits. Mm. There is no ceiling for pursuits. When you're pursuing something, you keep going, you keep going and the people who come into your life take you higher, right? You don't have a ceiling for pursuits. With standards, you're a one, two, three or four. Mm. Yeah. It's so basic. Yeah. It's so beneath, and, and since I always, I always tell cats, I'm, I'll bring you back in here, brother, straight, like real quick. I always tell cats, but we, we, the framework is so off because we present something basic like a standard as though it is up high to reach to, when in reality, the standard is so far beneath the babies. Yes. So the babies don't meet the standard, not because they can't reach high to it, but because it hurts they back to bend so low to it. Ow. Sometimes <laughs> it, ain't, it, ain't that, it ain't that I can't pass the test, but you forcing me to bend myself to something so minor and minuscule. I want to stand over my shoulders back and reach out for something bigger than the world. And you're forcing me to bend over. And a person who was designed by the, by the divine to stand strong and tall, it hurts when they have to bend. That's and a so new you're, take. You're placing them in a world <laughs> that there's a ceiling on their growth. And, and here's the thing, the only way to surpass that is to create 
or to, or to reveal that the ceiling is paper. Uh, it ain't a concrete ceiling. Uh-uh. It ain't a thick glass. It's not, it's not something that's strong. It's, 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 it's so minuscule. So I say to my baby, stand up beyond it. That's right. Watch the ceiling. That's right. Be academic. Hold your truth. Hold the academic. See beyond. And it's like, it's in that breakout. Look, it's the breakout for me. It's the breaking out from the minuscule structures of these systems. For me, it's a refusal to bend down to something lower than me. It's me being my full self, big, tall, strong, bold, powerful, excellent, right? In a way that you can't imagine. It's that part. Like, that's the part. And and I want to say this, closing. And that's the part that your work reveals. It's in the... You know, here's the thing. It's in the intimacy of your words. Hmm. That the I just want to be the match, Chris, to set that paper on fire. The match to set that paper ceiling on fire. But that's the fire that's in all of our babies. Yo, yo, sis, you know that like that when you say the match, think about the concept of the match, fam. The, 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 The match can set the forest ablaze. It's a small stick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like it's in, it's and and that's why I say that your poetry unlocks so much for me because it's 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 the it's the thing that folks look over that when allowed to strike at the perfect point can set the world ablaze, uh. and that's why we talk about the arts. That's why we talk about hip hop, poetry, the, the the poems that are revealed within Love for the Vortex are the match that strikes against the collective imagination that sets the world ablaze. But if you look past that and you start pursuing all this other stuff, you, you can't ever set the world on fire. Mm. Yo, so I was gonna, you guys- Get I, in I here, know, brother Trey, I, get in here, I, brother I'm Trey. Here, I'm gonna show. <laughs> tell you something. No, I, no. When you guys get going, it's real and I love it, I love it. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask, I know that Sandra, you may have some things to say as well. And I know that there are some other educators here who might wanna come in and, and kind of throw some things at y'all. But what I was gonna ask is this, and this, this is what resonated with me, you know, Dr. Yolanda Suli Ruiz, you said once that, you know, teacher as disruptor, right? Mm-hmm. And then Chris Samden, you came out with this book. And I remember me and my homegirl, Ariel, and, and, and my, my dude, um, um, I'm blanking out here. It's all right. Um, oh my gosh. Please say me. John. John Whaley. Hey, brother John. So so me and Ariel and John Whaley over the summer, we we were like, we were reading your book and tearing it apart. We were, we were breaking down the ideas. And and it was the result of being a teacher as a disruptor, right? You both are that. And what I wanted to ask was, what is it that you're disrupting and trying to break the mold of? Because I think that there's some educators here who are like your fam. There's a lot of energy, it's coming out powerful. But for context purposes, let them know what it is that you've seen that you wanted to disrupt. Because let's think- just take that. Let's just take no, that. No, I, w- I was gonna. Th- what I was gonna say is let brother brother Chris take that. <laughs> <laughs> you sure, um, beloved? Yeah. Yes. I'm. I'm. Right on, you rock you. out. You rock out, sis. I'll I'll, I'll pick up the trail end. You go ahead. I just feel like everything that we've been talking about from this moment, we are interrupting 400 years of inequality. We are interrupting lies that have been told about who we are, who black children are. We are interrupting lies that others have told themselves about who they are. We are interrupting what stands in the way of full humanity. It is really that simple and yet that nuanced and complicated because it is difficult 
for people to see themselves as interrupters because they first have to face who they are. They have to go back and how they were raised, the things that were said to them when they were on their grandmother's knee, stuff that has come to them later and they know that it's not right, but yet they have not been taught because we don't have that within schools to teach people how to interrupt their own thinking and their own hearts. So for me, just quite simply, we're trying to interrupt the 400 year lie about what black children in particular are not because we actually have receipts of, of uh, our civilization goes beyond. America is very, very young, right? The, the legacy that Chris, Trey, those of us were people of color, even Latino folks, cultures come back from hundreds of thousands of years. So when we are dropped in this moment on this timeline, suddenly in 1619, that's not where our story begins. So we seek to interrupt the beginning of our story. That's all I, that's all I have for now. I'm a storyteller. So I'm, I'm interested in the truth of stories where they really begin. Mm -hmm. Oh, sis. I, lo I love what you said about, about the distortions. Like, you know, it's like clearing the distortions and and, you know, for me, what I love about what you just said, and I'm going to pick up real quick, is about, you know, part of what we're disrupting is, is we, we're clearing the space to allow what happens in the place to tell the truth. Mm. You see, mm. in, in, any, in any interaction of human beings, there is space and place. Mm. The place is a location, even the Zoom might be a location, but the space is the bevy of emotions that occupy the, the psychic space yep. that, that we all have imbued into our consciousness that impact how we interact with each other. Right. So in the space, there could be a, like a whole bunch of emotions. And here's the thing, black and brown bodies have entered into schools with so much occupying the space that they're not able to fully be free in the place. This is again, back to academic. It's filled, it's filled, yes, it's, yes, it's so yes. much stuff I'm carrying. So when yes. I enter into a play, I'm like, how are they viewing me? How am I supposed to be? Who do I perform? What identity am I? Should I underperform? Should I question? Should I not? Can I be whole? Should I not be whole? Do all the black folks see me? Am I cool enough? Am I good enough? Am I black enough? Am I smart enough? Go so ahead. when I Go enter ahead. into a Go classroom, ahead. all those questions are here, floating around. Then you like, yo, balance this equation. And I'm like, yo, fam, I can balance the equation if you clear the space enough for me to be able to concentrate on the equation. But because you've not identified all the stuff that's floating around that I'm carrying with me, this, this invisible labor, this, this, this trench coat of dysfunction that you've placed on my body that won't allow me to be, you put all that on me so I can't showcase my academic and my intellectual pursuits. Wait, roll that back. As DJ Nice would say, you know, I got to roll that back and let it breathe. Trench coat hmm. of dysfunction. Oh, you listen. <laughs> but that's what it is. <laughs> they put a they put a jacket on our babies and say, carry this on you. And you like, yo, but fam, if you took this off, what I got from me, it'll blow your mind. But so the work is to clear the psychic space to allow young folks to operate in genius in the place. The work is to clear all these emotions, it's yes. to clear fear. Young folks can't perform in classrooms when they're fearful of the educator and how they're being perceived. Or so we have to clear the fear, then clear the guilt. I feel guilty. 
that I'm a black person in America and I've survived to come into this classroom today, but I know somebody who died from COVID three weeks ago. And y'all ain't talk about that at all during this Zoom. And I have survivor's guilt by virtue of coming from a community where so many folks have passed and you giving me content on Zoom. So clear the guilt, clear yes. the shame, the shame that comes with, and for our white educators in particular, white guilt will paralyze you. Oh my God, it's such a useless emotion at times. And you carrying that on you, and you can't be there for the babies. So we want to clear the guilt, clear the fear, clear the shame, clear the grief. Can we talk about grief? You can't talk about post-pandemic or in-pandemic teaching and learning if you've not created space for young folks to talk about the emotion that comes with not just losing a summer, but losing lives. So how do we clear the grief? How do we create space to emote and share? Clear the lies, the distortions of who I am the fabrications of your imagination about my lack of having the ability to be able to function academically when in reality I am bigger than that. Yes. Clear them lies. Clear the illusions that there's a meritocracy in America. Clear the illusion that if you just pull yourself up by the bootstrap to be able to be successful. Clear the illusion that I'm a thug and I'm violent and I'm problematic and I'm, I'm anti-police while on the flip side, you have the damn Capital insurrectioning, tearing police up, burning down buildings. You call me a thug, you exhibiting thug behavior. Clear those illusions, those, those unrealistic things. That's, and then clear the attachment, most importantly. So for me, that's the biggest part for me. What am I here to interrupt? I'm here to interrupt the attachments. The attachments. The attachments deep. Man, you want to talk on that, sis? Like the things that we are attached to that are inconsequential. Think about this. Old boy just came in as president. And they're having conversations about standardizing education. When the one thing that got revealed over the fact that we were learning on Zoom is we ain't needed. <laughs> quick, fast, and in a hurry. Come on. It, it got, we, we saw real quick, you didn't need it. You didn't need the standard. Colleges were still letting kids in without SATs. They were just doing portfolios instead and it was working. What, what got revealed during the pandemic is that all these things we attached ourselves to actually were inconsequential. And now that we're looking forward to coming back, you're going to attach yourself back to the broken. This is, look, educational Stockholm syndrome is real. Y'all know what Stockholm syndrome is? Mm. When, you get, when you get assaulted or you get kidnapped, you get hurt, and the person who hurt you, you're so attached to the person who hurt you, you can't let them go. We have an educational Stockholm syndrome, an attachment to violence and abusive behavior at the hands of schooling. And the, the, the job in this season is to clear that space. And so our babies can thrive in the place. And brother, in all of your genius, first of all, thank you. This is why I'm talking about the excavation. So when I talk about excavating and purposely removing that bias, that hate, that stereotypes, all these things that we're attached to, because we're 400 years deep on this and mm. it's been passed down. You know how people pass down family recipes. This white supremacist culture has been passed down and people are attached to it deeply. So that's why the excavation has to occur. And what I'm saying is it has to be replaced with a kind of critical love for liberation. Not everybody is about freedom. This is a country that has started for us, guess what, in the concept of enslavement. Mm -hmm. So we can't expect that folks are going to purport and push our freedom. Yo, you know what's so real, sis, about what you just said, that I, that I, that I like bringing my scientific hat on real quick? is that when we talk about the stories getting passed on, that part is problematic. But what, what if we consider for a moment 
that even biologically, biologically, epigeneticists have identified the fact that if you undergo trauma, break it down, genetic makeup, yes, shifts in response to it. So you not only are you passing down stories, you're genetically passing down yes. responses to oppression in your DNA. Yes. And 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 this is why Professor Celia Ruiz's work is so important. I mean, there are a bevy of reasons. But the idea of racial literacy is essential because of this. It allows you to have a language to be able to make sense of phenomena that otherwise we gloss over. Hmm. If, if you can't have that conversation with that language, you, you know, people, it's not that it's not important, it's just you don't know how to talk about it. Right. So you need a scholar, a thinker, a revolutionary that can give you the language to describe what you look over so that you can heal and grow. Like to me, I mean, I love your work for a bevy of reasons, but what I love most about what you do in the world as, as an English educator, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a racial literacy educator, which is a thing, is that you offer to us a language to describe what we feel, but have no words to describe. Mm. And th this is why I love Love from the Vortex, because it gives you, what it, that book just gives you emotions. Jack, what is what are these feels? <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like what is this? I, I feel heartbreak. I feel joy. I feel loss. I feel victory. I feel, and all it does is it taps into the emotion that I that I did not know I had. Right. You know what I'm saying? And once you can feel the emotion, then you can know how to deal with it. And and the beauty and the magic of you is that you give us a language. And by the way, when I say language, I'm not just saying words. You know, I'm with you. Some people think, you know, like, you know, the language, sometimes the language is in the, is in the, is in the hugs. Mm -hmm. The language is in the, in is the in breath. the head nods. In the, the language. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me just go somewhere real quick. And we see you know, way, we see you know. I've been a whole way in my institution. I'm going to stop real quick. I've been a whole way in my institution and I, you know, I done had it. <laughs> Jerk. You know, I done had it. It's, it's just one of those, one of those, you know what I mean? Like racial battle fatigue is real. It is. And I was sitting in my office. Like, whenever it's one of those days, I was sitting in my office like, man, listen, this work is a lot. And I will, and I will look up, and there will be a knock on my door. And you know who's there? Dr. Yolanda C. Lee Ruiz. And sometimes she doesn't say a word. She just, I'm about to tear up. She would just say, brother, I see you. And she will hold my hand and walk away. In those moments, it's a, it's a healing, right? it's a, uh, a replenishment, a restoration. And what she does for me is what I want you to do for the babies. You ain't gotta overperform it. You ain't gotta, anti-racist culture, you ain't gotta, you, sometimes you ain't gotta do all that. Sometimes the language is in the recognition. And, and we oftentimes miss that in the pursuit of the language. And I'm telling you that in the words, we, 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 we skip over the language of restoration in the pursuit of words. And sometimes you, people just need to be restored. And the restoration is just in the gesture. It's in the extension of the self. It, it says you, you've given that to me consistently. And, and I'm giving that to y'all to give to these babies. 
I feel that. I feel that. I am, um, wow, so much energy. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to ask a question about that a question that maybe others might not might not feel that they can ask, but if if I were a white parent and or a formal educator, because we know that we we talked we talked about how uh, institutions are, I mean, uh, educational places and spaces and schools are not just locations; it can be in your home or wherever. So if I was a, a white parent or a white educator. Um, and I'm just beginning this, you know, um, and what are, what are some steps that, that you think that I could take to incorporate some of this cultural responsiveness in, into my home or into my classroom to avoid what you call like this betrayal of, of your mission and, and fulfilling that social contract that you, you, you were talking about? What are, what are some steps that I could take starting off either mm -hmm. one of Chris, do you want to start? I'm, I'm, you know, my heart is full. <laughs> Thank you, brother, for everything you just said. Um, I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, um, I love you. And I respect you deeply. And I'm grateful for you. And, you know, Sister Sandra, uh, the question can also be for us because some people of color, some of us, we live under that same smog of racism right, that Beverly Daniel Tatum talks about, we too have bought into the lies. We too have allowed ourselves to be colonized. And so Ngugi Thiongo talks about decolonizing the mind. So we have to go through that process as well. There's a decolonization of the mind, of the heart, this excavation. Um, so folks have to do this self-work and they have to find a way because as much as archeology span of self is something that is personal, it is also done in community because you can be doing this work and think I've reached my level of wokeness. I understand what's happening and you'll open your mouth and you'll say something and the person will look back at you and say, what? Mm. So there has to be a co-construction. So there, there has to be this elimination of fear Fear is one of the biggest reasons why we have not moved forward because people are afraid if I actually take on this equity work, if I actually begin to start thinking and talking about social justice for all, what might I lose for my children, for the generations that come behind me? So then it becomes a zero sum game. If I give for you, then I'm losing for me. So first and foremost, there has to be an evacuation and excavation of that fear that no. it is not about you losing losing something is about trying to reach toward fuller humanity. Some people might need therapy mm -hmm. in a very real way. So if they go into therapy to talk about other things, start talking to your therapist about racism, about how you were raised a particular way. So it's like you have to do that self-work and then importantly, you have to find community. You know, you have to do, come things like the, the house that Trey built, uh, hip hop education, uh, hashtag hip hop ed on Tuesday nights, find the community, we're on Zoom. It is out there, but yes. don't just be like an armchair activist. I mean, you, when you listen in on stuff, you've got to really do that work of the heart and then be in community with some of your people, your brothers and sisters and say, this is what I heard. This is what I believe. Where do I go now? 
Mm. It can't not just be waiting for your school to offer you professional development and you sit and take a whole bunch of notes and you try mm. one or two activities and then it's over. You've got to change your heart. This thing that we are in is 400 years deep mm. and it is going to take time, but you have to do the self-work. There is no magic pill. There's no mm. matrix. There's no red or blue pill. And this is the thing. People get tired. Black folk people of color don't have the option to get tired. Mm -hmm. it, the racial battle fatigue is real. Will Smith, not Jada's boo, the other Will Smith who's a scholar writes about racial battle fatigue. We get tired. So let's step up to humanity. Let everybody step up. So number one, do the self work. Number two, find your people. Number three, be courageous. Number four, implement the change. Number five, move towards full humanity. Mm. And, and all of that can get done, beloved, if you don't tell the truth. I, I think, you know, the issue that, I, that I'm finding with this work, and, and Sister Sandra, thank you for that question because it was so dope, is that people are so interested in performing wokeness. My sister Terry Watson talks about performative wokeness. I, I love what she described that concept. They're so, they're so, preoccupied with using the right words, the right language, the right term, the right expression, the new thing. Like, it's like in style. Like, I, you know, I have to be, I have to be, I have to be woke enough and know all the terms. And you get so caught up in the, in using the terms and the words that you've not told the truth about where you are in it. So for me, it's like, this is hence ratchetemic. The first step is to find your ratchet self. When I think oh. of ratchet self, your truth, your authentic, raw truth. Who are you when you're not in front of the kids, when you're not in front of your um, other teachers, when you're not at the PD? Who are you at home with your people? Show us that part. You know what I mean? There's some suburban ratchet. There's, there's, there's Ivy League ratchet. There's all iterations of it. Because you know, when we talk about ratchet, they make some, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, just, just the hood. No, no, no. In the words of the great social critic, Lil Boozy, everybody got a little ratchet in them. Everybody. But your ratchet is your authentic core place. So stop performing what you yes. think folks want you to be. Because here's the thing. When you start performing woke and you ain't woke, the kids can smell it from a block away. Oh. And will learn nothing from you because you're a fraud. And if you show up as your full self, honestly and authentically, if, look, the kids will forgive a misstep if you show up as yourself and you ask forgiveness. Mm -hmm. What they will never forgive is you being something that you're not. So it's about finding your truth, finding your narrative, and, 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 and not in a heavy and heady way either. Let's, let me bring it basic. When you're at home with your kids, do you have a sense of humor? Do you have a sense of humor when you're in a classroom? If not, you're a fraud. Like, yeah. like who are you, bro? Like, so if you're a person with a sense of humor and you're affable, or if the thing that you love the most in the world is fishing, I want to see you be fishing ratchet in the classroom and connect yes. that to the content. Wow. I am not asking you to be like me. <laughs> you ain't from the Bronx, you ain't bald headed, and you ain't got a beard. <laughs> I ain't asking you to be like Sister Yoli. Not everybody has the gift of having that magic. I'm asking you to be you. And some of us, particularly our white brothers and sisters, are so preoccupied with performing a version of themselves that they're not giving us their true selves. And until you find your true and authentic ratchet self, you can't model authenticity for anybody else. And we know that Bell Hooks said that truth is the beginning of love. 
Come so on now. All of this is connected. I, I, Brother Trey, I know we have Noah and we have, is that Sister Sherry? Yeah, there's, like there's a, queen. a whole bunch of, yeah, there's a whole bunch of folks. Listen. Okay, I'm gonna be I'm quiet. Gonna I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's all good, it's all good. What, what I was gonna say was, because I wanna be mindful of your time too, um, is to open the, the floor, right, for some questions, for some insight, so that we can, you know, get this going. And again, thank you guys so much for showing up for me. Yo, y'all realize and notice how, how like patient and graceful these people are, right? Amazing. What I'm talking about, about the genuine spirit of these two wonderful people. Mm -hmm. I need no higher degrees to contact them. They just saw my, my being, mm -hmm. you know, this is a beautiful way. They, they preach and live what they preach. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the most powerful thing that I, I think that they do. Um, so, so, so maybe we can take Noah and Sherry and Yadi's, uh, Yadi Bell's uh, questions all together Boom. and, and then maybe just respond because I'm also looking at the time and yeah. I want to say thank you to all of you, all 99 of you who are still hanging with us. Chris and I appreciate it. Less love y'all. Noah, respect, fam. I, I seen your, I seen your virtual hand up for a minute. So forgive us. <laughs> it's fine. Thank you. Uh, thank both you for, for this, for being here for us, for being there for each other. Uh, it seems like obviously there are times when you need each other and to have those allies, that's really important. So uh, thank you to mind who are there uh, as things get rough. Um, I work in a particularly brutal curriculum uh, that's responsible for a lot of, a lot of inequity. Uh, and a lot of elitism in the world, and that's mathematics. And it's not a lot of talk out there. You know, the humanities talk a lot. And Chris, it's really cool to see you talking about science. But I, I know that I, <laughs> I'm missing uh, some of this talk in and around the mathematics curriculum and how particularly oppressive uh, it is and continues to be. And so I just wanted to know your feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Can we hold that and then take Sherry and Yadis? Noah, thank you for, thank you uh, for that beautiful and important question. Greetings, my sister, my mentor, my love, my muse and guide. Yeah. So my question is, I'm working in a school in the Bronx, and um, I want to know how I get, how I can get my teachers to recommit to their craft. And I guess a piggyback on that would be, how do I reignite the joyous spark of learning in kids? These are middle school children and I'm asking them like, what are your dreams? What, what is it that you wanna do? And I'm getting blank stares and they're looking at me like I have five heads. Underserved community, reading has not been their strong point and teachers have gotten raises and tenure on the backs of these black and brown kids. Meanwhile, it's 14% proficiency in ELA. Right. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Sherry. Yadi, and then Brother Chris, maybe you want to begin. Um, and I can direct you certainly, Sister Sherry, to some work around black joy and Sister Goldie's work and all that. We'll talk, but Yadi Bell, you are Dr. queen. Yoli, you know, every time I, 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 I Listen, any talk you give, Dr. Muhammad, Chris, uh, Dr. M, then I call you guys the trifecta of black, uh, black brilliance. Mm. Um, because something that wasn't said, I think, in your bios and, and Dr. M, um, 
Emden, names are important, when you came to our spa and you gave a talk, you know, I listened to a few talks of yours that I, that I feel like changed my heart um, and, and changed the trajectory of the way I look at my legacy is that you guys are vessels of liberation. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys have done for me as an educator. That's what you guys have done in terms of me trying to cultivate my own genius, trying to know my own history, trying to know where my history starts in greatness and brilliance and excellence. When there was a deep white gaze um, that created imposter, imposter syndrome and lies that told me that I wasn't good enough um, mm-hmm. and that who I was as defined um, did not matter, but <laughs> little do I know that, that that's why they push it because we, we matter fully. Uh, so they get nervous about our liberation and our freedom. But my question is, I work in education. I specifically work for the Department of Education and in doing this work, but I'm finding the work that is very taxing, which is a, a cycle of toxicity is that while I'm doing this work, because uh, the department and the system is so hierarchical, um, the policies that come out, uh, they try to uh, do some equity work, but then the, 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 the policies that do come out are masked in, in more uh, oppression or um, oppressive um, systems, policies, and structures. And, and, and I'm trying to find a balance um, with that toxic cycle where I am doing the work, I'm working on supporting educators, but then the policies and the structures and the system uh, continue to, to weigh you down and, and anchor you down um, in terms of whiteness and this white supremacy culture. So that's something I would like, you know, some, some work around um, as this work gets very difficult and challenging. Chris, where's the spirit leading you? You know what? I think I think John had his hand up as well. So I think oh, we got John. one final question. Hey, and then we'll John. Back. Yeah. Hey, brother I John. John. <laughs> I can't I can't let this go by, guys. I'm I, I'm sorry. And he's uh, got the t-shirt on, John. Thank you. <laughs> that's what's up. So I've I've spoken with both of you guys before, and Trey's a good brother of mine. And so I couldn't let this go by. I, I kind of have to ask you. You know, Chris, you're talking about truth, how important truth is, and and Yoli critical love and and I love you guys to death. So I kind of have a difficult question, I think for you. So bear with me. I was listening to Brendan Brendan Dubose. I think he's a former student of yours, Mm -hmm. uh, Yoli. Both of ours. Awesome, great. Um, And actually Rich Novak sent me that. And I think Uh, Rich Novak worked with you. So a lot of connections. Um, And he was talking about retaining black teachers. And basically the whole point of it is that this is a systemic issue, right? We can't just hire people. We have to make the system better for everybody involved. And that's the same thing for our kids too, right? Like we can't just have like black books in our English curriculum and then everything changes. Um, So because this is all systemic, right? Like there's a lot of parents, especially, but also administrators and and stakeholders that are afraid of making any real change. They're deathly afraid of it because of college admissions. So this is what I'm asking you guys. You guys teach at an ivory tower, like quite literally Columbia University is like the tippity top of, of what we call the Ivy Leagues and all of that kind of stuff. So what role does the Ivy Towers, what role do these organizations like NCTE, what role do superstar educators like yourself have in helping ensure that these systemic change happen? Because we're the grunts on the ground level. And I feel sometimes that like, it would be real nice if we had people above us being like, why aren't you public schools doing this stuff? So that's my question and thank you so much. Mm. So Chris, it sounds like, thank you, Brother John, it sounds like, you know, the mathematics question 
Uh, it's also the reconnecting, teachers reconnecting to their craft. It is also the cycle of toxicity. I also want to give a quick shout out to Sosayari Bell, who just came out with a wonderful article. If you wouldn't mind putting it in the chat so that people can have access. And then Brother John talking about the role that academics, that institutions, and I want to say teacher education programs play in trying to support teachers and trying to unravel and dismantle some of these policies and systems and curricula that uh, we find ourselves using and, and deeply steeped in. Yeah, you you know, the way you brought that all together was so lit. Listen, y'all, I'm gonna say one thing. And y'all know I love y'all. I love every single question. But I'm gonna say this, on all the questions, the beginning is not perceiving, seeing, accepting, or saying out loud that there's power beyond you, bigger than you. Each question is powerful in its own right, is significant, we can talk about the details, but ain't no teacher education program, ain't no policy member or policy that exists, ain't no nothing that exists out there that you are not equal to or greater than by virtue of what you do. And in the articulation of your smallness in comparison to those things, that's how their power gets reinforced. And sometimes it's in the articulation and the framing that we get to revealing our own strength and our own gifts. So that's first. Second is just in the straight upness around the math, around the, the sister who's talking about our, our young folks who can't see joy and all that. I always say the fundamental piece, look, good teaching is just modeling. You just gotta show what it looked like to the babies enough where they're convinced that it's real. So for me, man, math, like I'm a science educator. I taught math for three years also. I just showed young folks how lit math was. Period. They have in them the will, resilience, grit, and I'll, I'm, let, let me not get to going and all that, <laughs> you know, the problematic nature of that discourse. Yes. They have within them all the skill set to, to surpass those expectations if we show them how dope they are at it. So for me in mathematics, I just model it. I model, I, when I do a math problem or a balance of scientific equation for young folks, I sometimes intentionally slip up on two or three steps just to model for the babies that, yo, it ain't just easy either. But then I'm like, oh man, I did something wrong, I can't figure it out. Dr. E, but you a whole professor. How you got it wrong? Fam, it ain't, I ain't just gonna get it. But hold up though, I'm gonna work that out. This is me with the kids. I'm gonna work that out. Let me sit here for a little bit. And they're like, yo, I think you forgot to do the subscript. Yo, you know what, you're right, it is a subscript. And I try it again, and I, and I, and I stumble, and I do it again, and then I get it through it. And at the end, when I get it through, I'm like, yes, you couldn't beat me, equation, I got you. Because I'm touching the Bronx. I'm like, yo, Dr. E, you still in this class? And I, I model for them what it's like to face it head on, to let it feel like it got you for a minute, to step back into it and lean all the way in and approach it with a little swag, a little style, a little presence, a little flavor. And that invokes in them that they can do the same. So about math education, and, and, I, and I understand the curriculum in math, how problematic it is. And it's the same thing as the curriculum in science. I don't teach based on curriculum. I teach beyond it. I don't teach content. I teach young folks to fall in love with it. Mm. 
once I can make them fall in love with it, they'll do whatever it is to be able to be successful in it. They'll surpass the expectations. So don't teach math. Teach young folks to love math. Yes. Teach young folks to see the math in themselves. That's the revelation. Do you know um, something that you did though, Chris, just now, what you described yourself, how you teach is that you approach it with a critical humility because a lot of us get in front of young people and depending on the chasm that is, you know, caused by gender and race and socioeconomics, whatever it is, you know, you are coming at that from a humble point of view that recognizing that they are your teachers, mm -hmm. right? Many of us get in front of the classroom and we have our own insecurities and we have to be always in command and also feeling that pressure that we got to cover everything that's in the textbook and not even seeing the babies that are in front of us. So I love what you said. I also wanted to say one other thing as you were connecting to uh, what Sister Sherry was asking and, and, and Sister Yadiba was asking, um, you know, Amanda Gorman, the last stanza of her poem, the poet Laurie, uh, the uh, inaugural poet, she said that the light is always there if we have the courage to see it. The light mm -hmm. is always there if we have the courage to see it. Sometimes there is so much darkness in these schools. Sometimes it is so much darkness that it actually dims the light, but the light is always there. So Sister Sherry, when you're talking about what do you do to you know, reignite, those teachers have to wanna be reignited. You know what, what the, the pressure that's on you to have to be the candle maker and go around and keep lighting everybody's candle when the light goes, they have to be their own light. And if they cannot be a source of light, then they have to move. And what we can do, and this is what I say to districts, what we can do is develop relationships with our colleagues enough to let them know when they are dimming the light of students and when they need to think about moving on. The best we can do is operate in truth and not move in fear by not calling out colleagues that are actually calling, causing harm in dimming the lights of children in schools. That's the same thing with teachers. You need to work that up, Yadi, to the leaders you know, let it get the, the bottom up, come from the bottom to the top, Drake, right y'all? And let these leaders understand that they have to be held accountable for the ethos that they're creating in the school. So when Chris is saying that there's no system that is bigger than you, you have to believe it and understand it. It takes one person to make a difference. Two people can start a revolution. The only person better than you is embedded in you. Amen. Say, the roll that back. Better than you is embedded in you. And also understand like shade is part of the course, revolutionaries. If, if you're doing work that's supposed to set souls and light on fire in a world of darkness, you got to expect a little darkness. It's part of the course. You just can't get consumed by it. One of my favorite interviews ever, Tony Morrison, Charlie Rose. If you could Google it, just go watch it. Yes. And there was this one moment where he was like, you know, what do you say to people who say X, Y, Z about your literature and work? And she said, he said and, and she goes, and, and her beautiful voice, right? <laughs> there was a revolution. I chose not to be consumed by or concerned by the white gaze. And it's about knowing that the gaze is there and choosing not to be consumed or concerned yes. by it. Yes. It's there, it is what it is. But the decision to not be consumed and concerned by it is where the revelation happens. Because listen, if you are light, you gotta expect somebody to throw shade. 
That's that's part of the business. Uncle Jimmy told us that in 1963 that's in a talk to teachers. The thing is this, do you allow the shade to consume your light? Yeah. Or do you recognize that when the shade comes, it requires that for the light to shine brighter? In the darkest of rooms is when light shines. So choose not to be consumed or concerned by it. Yeah. Yo, with, with that, I am so fortunate to have had this moment and to have held space for everyone who came in to learn. And I'm, uh, I'm certain that we're gonna go forward and certainly implement some of the the teachings that y'all gave us. And it's gonna take a lot of courage. You know, I'll be walking around in school, just so y'all know, with my hip hop ed mug and my <laughs> students have become so familiar with that, but that's my light, you know what I mean? Sometimes um, you need that. And so I'm walking around with that all the time. Um, listen, I've got eight books to give away, um, Love from the Vortex. They're gonna be autographed and special signed, uh, you know, special message for you. Let me tell you, I was just excited and I gotta share this with you guys. You know, she wrote me mine, addressing my kids. So listen, if you're interested in getting one of these sweet books and a sweet message for, for you and yours, you know, hit me up on, uh, on IG for sure. Or you can hit me up on our um, email. If you go to fairfulyabantu.com and you may just get a copy. And of course, my brother Chris Anders got this book for white folks who teach in the hood. And, and he's got a new joint coming out. He's got a new joint coming out. Yeah, let me let me let me shout that out real quick, y'all. Yes. Please cop this book. It's currently available on pre-order. Many of the themes from this conversation are there. The title of the book is Ratchetemic. Let me let me let me type that in in the chat real mm -hmm. quick. Um, you can pick it up on on Penguin Random House website or Amazon. Um, but it's about that concept of the intersection of being ratchet and academic. Uh, so please cop that, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and support your boy. Yes. And then um, I know that folks are giving away and, 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 and Trey's giving away love from the vortex. I wish I could show y'all my, my, um, my, I'm gonna move my computer and ruin it, but I got, I got, I got three copies of love from the vortex. <laughs> I got, I got mine. That's mine that my sis wrote to me. Then I got two in case somebody needs some love in their life. You know what I'm saying? Wow. It ain't that much bread. You know right. what I'm saying? Hop like three of them joints. That's right. And you, you're gonna come across somebody who's gonna need that, you hand that over, then you cop the next joint. We, look, there's so much trash that gets traction mm. that you can afford to support the good work. That's right. All right? That's so right. I- May I end with a poem? Yes. Okay, I want to end with just us and thank you, Brother Trey and Chris, so much, all of you. Just us. Here is my invitation for you to bend towards justice. My arc of self bends in favor of love. Asking hard questions and waiting for answers that don't offer conclusions, just more wonderings about how to live a life worthy of the children who come after us. May we be worthy of the children who come after us, but worthy of the children who are here now. Thank you for tuning in with us, Brother Trey and Chrissy and everybody. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Brother Chris. Love you, Chris. Love you too, sis. You already know. Peace. Stay up. All right. Love, y'all. Good night, everybody. Bye.